Welcome back to the Freedom Warrior Podcast, everybody. My name is Derek, and let's get going. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, busy day. A lot of things I could talk about. I'm going to just, you know, pin down maybe three or four things here and uh, go to town. Uh, so ahead on the program today, the race war. Obviously, big in the news is that uh, the fake phony fraudulent uh, hate crime that took place in Chicago and uh, I have a little bit more to say about that Uh, and then to follow up on last uh, episode's uh, story about the traitor uh, who got radicalized after uh, serving as a counterintelligence officer in the Air Force want to highlight a couple things that have developed out of that story and then Uh, After the break, a quick advert, uh, there will be a discussion about the natural gas shortage in New York and uh, just a little bit of a taste of what that green deal would be doing, uh, just on a way smaller scale. And then, uh, let's see, Bernie uh, Sanders joins the race, have more to say about that, and then... Uh, Trump pushes to decriminalize homosexuality worldwide, but I promise you he will still be a homophobe by the definition of the left. That is a guarantee I have for you. Uh, So, jumping in to the race war. In light of the developments uh, in the, I I don't know how to pronounce the dude's name, Jesse, Jesse Smollett, Smollett, whatever. In, in light of the developments of his story, the staged hate crime, many civil rights activists are coming uh, coming down from their their podium. They were preaching to everybody about how hateful and horrible America is. They're, they're stepping down from those podiums. They're backing off the, sl- the stage slowly, just kind of trying to get out of the, the limelight. It's like, this ain't quite working out for us. Whoopsie. Uh, so... You know, there are a couple that are speaking out, though, and this is genuinely irritating a couple of them, but I think it's only irritating them because it blew up in their faces. Uh, So one uh, activist, civil rights activist out in Los Angeles named Naji Ali has even called for Smollett to be arrested uh, for nearly starting a race war. And this brings me back to my main question. I will uh, I will offer you what really is that different between these fake hate crimes and the constant coverage of racial division in this country pounded home by the mainstream media at every opportunity i mean it it accomplishes the same thing you have the narrative which is we live in this eternally flawed society society that is openly racist homophobic sexist and bigoted and there is no atonement for these sins. It's a perpetual, never-ending fight for justice, which will, you know, basically just boil down to entitlements, veto, uh, votes, and power uh, for politicians, and just it, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, the day that we are all one foot in the grave, I promise you, this problem will not be resolved. People will be stoking the same flames, picking at the old scabs of today. They'll be talking about you know, the Trump days, and they'll be talking about how we're still very much like those days, 
in so many ways, and they'll tell you all the ways, and they're never going to drop it. They're like a pit bull who, like, you know, just latches on, and the jaw does not release unless there's a reason. Not to say anything I mean about pit bulls. I have nothing against pit bulls. I'm just using an analogy here. Uh, but basically, there's nothing that will stop it. These people aren't sorry that they almost started a race war, that or that Smollett almost did. Many of these activists would love nothing more than to have a race war. They see society through a colored lens. The more division, the more leverage, the more power, the more grievance capital they enjoy. It's that simple. Did it matter that the hands up, don't shoot narrative was a complete lie? Nope. The Black Lives Matter and the media and everybody else, Democrats, and I guess that's all the same. But they all backed the narrative. uh, The media-backed narrative charged on nonetheless, even though the facts didn't align with it. And it didn't matter because the narrative charged to the forefront. It was there from the get-go. It was a false start. If this were a sprint on a track, they were the they false started. They got ahead of it before the truth could even you know have a fair shot at it at a race around the track. And who cares if if no one's going to make them re-race? No one's going to reset the runners back at the starting line. The truth. What's the truth got? What what chance does the truth have? Uh, so. You know, does it matter, by the way, that whites are more likely to be shot in fatal encounters by police officers than blacks? No, because facts mean nothing. So these, the powerful wave of the narrative will wash away any facts. Does not matter at all. Uh, victimhood trumps everything, even truth. And that brings me to... The traitor radicalized at a D.C. university. That's right, that person I was talking about that I thought was, uh, you know, basically scum of the earth. Uh, Daily P- Daily Caller had a piece on, on this today. Uh, and basically here are their bullet points. Uh, so the Texas-born Monica Witt, the traitor, is charged with defecting to Iran and working as a spy. So not just defecting, but actively working as a spy. Uh, Witt earned her master's degree in Middle East Studies from George Washington University. By the way, that university has taken in over 100 million from Muslim-majority nations. Uh, And then the U.S. has also funded Middle East centers within U.S. universities, but the centers sometimes employ academics who espouse anti-American sentiment. And that's according to, uh, that last part's according to the New York Times. Uh, so, a classmate of Wits, a guy named, or gal, I'm not quite sure, Corey Ellis, told uh, the New York Times that everyone just kind of sat and watched as Wit expressed strong feelings against American foreign policy in class. You know, so why would, why would they say anything? Most of these people in such a class probably espouse very similar anti-American views. They probably agreed with her wholeheartedly. So, of course they sat and watched her talk about very anti-American policies in a Middle East, uh, what is it, Middle East studies? Middle East studies. So it's a social studies program, which are very far to the left. And you're talking about one that is 
funded essentially through the Middle East. They're paying $100 million to the school uh, so that they could probably push some of their policies and, you know, certainly cover things in a way that they would like them to be covered uh, here in America. So, you know, that, by the way, $100 million that they, they accept, that George Washington University accepts from Middle East countries, uh, Muslim-majority countries, that, that puts them at second place nationally, uh, only second to Georgetown, who takes in like $300 million. Um, but of course, they're all here in D.C. because that's where all the policy gets done. So um, I, do, I look at these names, George Washington, um, Georgetown. I mean, these are places that if you looked at the name, you would think, wow, that doesn't quite align with, you know, accepting hundreds of millions of dollars of Middle East funding. But it does, because that's how radicalized these schools have gotten. Um, you'd think George Washington, you know, the first president. What the heck does that have to do with, you know, basically being funded by Saudi Arabia? Well, apparently you get the right administrators in there and they just turn the school to complete crap. And that's what's happening. Uh, so on that note, according to a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, Stanley Kurtz, who wrote in the National Review in 2017, said this situation has opened up a backdoor route to Saudi Saudi influence over America's K-12 curriculum. Believe it or not, the Saudis have figured out how to make an end run around America's K-12 curriculum sa- uh, safeguards, thereby gaining control over much of what children in the United States learn about the Middle East. So that's what this money is coming and doing here in America. And you know, back to the Daily Caller's piece, you know, talking about this traitor. Uh, Jonathan A.C. Brown, who serves as the director of Saudi-funded Al-Walid bin Talal Center for Muslim Christian Understanding at Georgetown, has defended slavery because the Prophet Muhammad had slaves and his father-in-law was convicted of providing material support to terrorists. On his Twitter feed... Brown has espoused radical political positions and has had has said Muslims who alert the FBI about other other Muslims should be ostracized. So these are the kind of people who are having influence over our students in these Middle East studies programs here in D.C. That was Georgetown. The traitor happened to go to George Washington, the number two in the like I said. But still, um, you know, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. This guy, the guy who, one of these guys who is the director for one of these organizations that has influence, is actively out telling people not to talk or inform to the FBI when they know of a terrorist in their ranks, in their Muslim ranks. And that's the kind of, you know, uh, education you can expect at Georgetown or at. George Washington in these Middle Eastern or social studies programs. It's unreal. What a disgrace. So the guy is openly calling to harbor terrorists, even if it, you know, as long if it means reporting another Muslim, he's openly calling to harbor the terrorists. And we wonder why we have people like Monica Witt, the traitor who got radicalized in our own universities after serving in our armed forces 
as a as a counterintelligence officer, uh, you know, a some white chick from Texas got radicalized through, you know, far left uh, anti-America uh, rhetoric, both probably seen a little bit in her military life, and then also certainly at a Middle East Studies uh, program at George Washington University. So uh, it's right here, right in front of our eyes. It's not, you know, some problem that's far overseas. It's, it's developed right here. And you can't tell me that there aren't more radical anti-American people floating around the Middle East Studies programs of George uh, Washington, walking the streets, hating America, hating, who knows what they're thinking, but I'm not saying they're all going to be terrorists or defect to Iran, but, but geez, like, look at the underlying problem here. That, that's an issue, okay, that we have people who are openly uh, aligning with terrorists or harboring terrorists, calling to harbor terrorists, or having family members who have materially supported terrorists, uh, and, and they're, they have these big, you know, influential positions here in our when it comes to public policy in America and our K through 12 policy, no less talking, you know, about influencing kids now, uh, that's just not good. And, uh, I'll leave it there. All right. So there is a natural gas shortage occurring up in New York and it's only going to get worse. And few things in this world make me happier than seeing liberal voters get exactly what they asked for good and hard. Uh, so this is exactly what they wanted and they're getting exactly what they wanted. Uh, so the wall street journal today had a great piece, uh, demonstrating how stupid New York, uh, leftist policies are having real effects. So they wrote in the article, the combination of hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling, sometimes known as the shale revolution has enabled Texas, Pennsylvania, and other states to produce record quantities of natural gas, some of which is being frozen, loaded onto ships, and transported to customers in places like Chile, China, and India, thanks to environmental policies, or to the environmental policies of Governor Andrew Cuomo, New York has missed out on this windfall. And it continues... Now, in a preview of what life might be like under the Democrats' uh, proposed Green New Deal, some New Yorkers are about to face a natural gas shortage. Uh, con- uh, Consolidated Edison, an energy utility that provides gas and power to New- the New York City area, announced last month that beginning in mid-March, it would no longer be accepting applications for natural gas connections from new customers in most of our uh, Westchester County service area. The reason for the shortage is obvious. The Cuomo administration has repeatedly blocked or delayed new pipeline projects. As a uh, con-ed spokesman put it, there is a lot of natural gas around the country, but getting it to New York has been the strain. Uh, So you want the the Green New Deal New Yorkers, here you go. You eat it. You got it. Here it is, baby. You got you got the Green Deal coming at you hard. Just actually, this is just a dose of it. This is just a little bit, just a little taste, just a little bit on the tongue for you, because you know what's going to come if you get your real policies that you want. You're going to have gas shortages across the board. Right now, it's just new hookups. If you already got a hookup, I guess you're okay. But you know, it's it's going to be a problem for you. 
<coughs> pardon me, still recovering from this cold. <coughs> so, back to the piece. New York policymakers have also killed the state's natural gas drilling business. In 2008, New York drillers produced about 150 million cubic feet of natural gas a day. Not enough to meet all of the state's uh, needs, but still a substantial amount. The same year, legislators in Albany passed a, a moratorium on hydraulic fracturing, the process used to wring oil and gas out of underground rock formations. In 2015, the Cuomo administration made the moratorium permanent. By 2018, New York's gas production had declined so much that the Energy Information Administration quit publishing numbers on it. Uh, it continues, New York's government imposed gas shortage will likely get worse. In April 2020, Entergy, the utility that owns Westchester's Indian Point Energy Center, will permanently shutter one of the two reactors at the 2,000-plus megawatt nuclear facility. It will shut down the other reactor in April 2021. The closures are a result of low electricity prices and years of costly legal battles with the environmental groups and state regulators. Indian Point supplies about 25% of the electricity consumed in New York City. So this is not a small deal. We're talking about a quarter of New York City, and they're just shuttering their entire nuclear facilities. Why? Because New Yorkers don't want nuclear facilities because they want to go green. Well, it turns out nuclear is green. Nuclear is super efficient, super clean. You just want wind. Well, have fun being heated by wind in the in the winters. Uh, you know, it's not like New York is in a, a a geographical area that they can you know really afford to be, I guess, a little liberal in their policies when it comes to energy. I mean, they're a high energy consuming, you know, area, you know, try going through the winter. You know, if you live in the north or the Midwest or, you know, somewhere where it gets super cold, you know, you look at the end of the month at your gas bill and, you you know, you about uh, fall over because you're, you're thinking, how can an apartment, how can an 800 square foot apartment cost five, four, five hundred dollars a month to heat up? Well, depending where you live and the cost of everything, I mean, I'll tell you how. Because it, it takes a lot of energy. It gets super cold. Have fun, you know, getting on your... You're going to need to, like, get, like, a hamster. You know, like, a uh, just get, like, a hamster wheel, and you'll just have to, like, run in it in your apartment to heat it up or something. I don't know what New Yorkers are going to do without uh, natural gas, but, you know, have fun. Have fun uh, trying. But I'll say this again. This is liberals getting exactly what they asked for in high dosage. And let's not forget, they also just fell far short of their necessary tax revenues due to taxing the rich too high and scaring off all the millionaires in town. So New York is going to suffer big time because of these stupid short-sighted policies. And, you know, it's it's going to make affordable housing quite a bit of a challenge too, by the way. Another liberal uh, cause that they always push for, but... You, you know, you finally got two competing causes, which is always hilarious with uh, leftism, is trying to see which cause wins out, affordable housing or clean energy, because you can't have both, you know, you can't have them both. You're going to, it has to be just so tiresome 
to be a leftist, to have to try and balance all of these dumb ideas uh, rather than just let things freely play out. Why, like, why can't you just let things freely play out? Um, you know, scarcity, by the way, scarcity is a pain in the butt. And economics is still economics. So just deal with it, suckers. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bernie Sanders, speaking of suckers, everybody is a big sucker if they believe anything this dude says. They are morons. They're suckers. They're morons. I hate to be rude. I'm just saying this guy is a snake oil salesman. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not one to, to sit and call everybody an idiot just because they vote for something, this, this, or that. I, I really think there's a lot of area in the middle that people could come together on and make some solid, um, you know, concessions on each side and not be so, you know, extreme. But Bernie Sanders is the definition of extreme. Um, you know, the commie senator from Vermont is uh, giving it giving it another go for president uh, in, in 2020. Uh, that will put him at 79 years old at the time of the election, which is roughly the average life expectancy for men in America, which is uh, worth noting there. Uh, so what is he going to run on now? He's going to run on the same thing he's been running on for the past 40 years. <coughs> Socialism. Uh, I can't believe that there are people out there still who think that you can actually get stuff that's just free. Uh, You know, like I said, he's a snake oil salesman. Uh, He might as well be offering the cure for the common cold on top of it because I got a brutal cough. If he could just throw in a cure for the common cold, he might get my vote for five seconds until I'm like, no, I'm wow, I must be drunk. Um, so, going back to the New, the New York fuel shortage, if you vote for these policies, I hope you get 100% of it all day, every day. I hope you drown in socialism because eventually you just turn right back into a conservative or leaning conservative because you cannot handle the hell that is socialism. I promise you, you cannot handle it. You will not be in favor of it once you get it. I can tell you that. Uh, I was just in Florida this week. Uh, down in Orlando, and I had an Uber driver, and he is a recent immigrant uh, from Venezuela. I asked him what he thought of the situation, and he said that it's horrible, and that he hopes you know that it'll change soon. I asked him how he felt about Maduro and socialism, almost jokingly, because I knew his answer, um, but he couldn't stop saying how horrible it was, and how much better America was. And, you know, this guy lived it. And Americans will, too, if Bernie ever becomes president. So stop falling for these seven-minute ab commercials. You can't replace hard work with free handouts. It doesn't work that way. There's a reason it's hard to lose weight. You, you have to put in the work. Nobody else can do it for you. You don't get to just go to the... You, you know, you don't... You have to go to the gym and do it yourself. You don't get to just... Uh, let the government go to the gym for you. That's what Bernie's basically saying. Let the government go to the gym for you and you'll lose weight on the Bernie 2K20 program. What an absolute joke. What an absolute joke. Uh, Lastly here, Trump uh, pushing to decriminalize homosexuality worldwide. Uh, So 
the Trump administration is launching a global campaign to decriminalize homosexuality in dozens of nations where it's still illegal. Now, mind you, um, these are mostly Middle Eastern or uh, Muslim countries because those are the only countries that actually criminalize homosexuality, which always made it such a weird marriage between leftists and, you know, Muslim immigrants because it's like half the immigrants hate gay people like if not more um so okay but uh yeah just to go and break down another one another one of those uh i don't know if the word it would be stereotypes but one of the you know the routine accusations or smears against president trump is that oh he hates gay people he's a homophobe no he's not the guy is probably the most pro-gay president in american history he seriously doesn't care that you're gay. You care that you're gay more than Trump cares that you're gay. I, I promise you that. When Obama took office, he wasn't even in favor of same-sex marriage. He openly said marriage was between a man and a woman. Now, Trump has not ever really cared. You might think, oh, well, he did the transgender ban in the army. Yeah, it's the transgender ban. Why are, why are we putting transgenders in the army? It's the army. It's the military. This isn't a playground. This isn't some social experiment. This isn't some community college or some state university that they're trying to like mix and match diverse. No, it's give me your best. I don't care what color you are. Just get your butt in the fight and be ready to fight. And I need the fastest, the strongest, the smartest the best decision makers, the best, you know, the best everything. Um, and I don't really see that in the same way. Plus, the T and the LGBTQ, the T is the one that stands alone from the rest of them. They just lump those all in together conveniently just to kind of coalesce around a political movement. But the T is always a little been a little different than the LGBT or the LGB and the Q or whatever. The the T is like actually trying to get people to alter reality. Like I'm supposed to look at you as a female or a male based on how you feel or whatever or present yourself. Okay, but I'm I'll be courteous. I'm not a a, a mean guy. I'm not going to go out of my way to be, you know, call you the wrong pronoun or something. But at the same time, L and G and B, those ones are just personal preferences. I mean, it's not asking me to change anything. So the T has always been a little different. And yes, it does matter in a in a you know combat environment. So I don't I, that just to kind of knock down that argument uh, about Trump being some homophobe. No, he's not. No, he's not. Then why is he out doing this? then why is he out pushing to decriminalize homosexuality worldwide? Get out of your own way and stop, uh, you know, stop creating a fantasy around what what you think he is. Because it's not, it's not really what he is. I, I assure you the far leftist uh, fantasy of what President Trump is, he is not even half that, not even a third of that. He could be a third of it, and they would still hate him. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying he's definitely not all of what they say he is. Because America's still on the tracks 
we're on the rails, everything's going fine. Pretty much in your day-to-day life, nothing has changed outside of, you know, I guess the derangement, the, the level of derangement in the media and everything, that's changed. But your day-to-day life has actually improved in, in measurable ways uh, than before. I mean, as far as just looking broadly at the economy, uh, job numbers, you know, investment numbers, uh, you know, the stock market. Although I don't like to associate stock markets with uh, presidential performance because one person doesn't change the stocks. But the economy in general is doing great. And you're doing better. No matter who you are, you are in better shape now than you were two, three years ago. Um, That's all I got to say about that. Trump, not a homophobe. Uh, And just to highlight uh, what we talked about... uh, you got the race war heating up, uh, but it's never going away. There's nothing that will cause that to go away because there's too much power in it staying how it is. Uh, there's way more power, political power, and picking at the scabs of the past than there are in healing. Uh, so there will never be true healing on that regard. Uh, the left will never let that go because it allows them to divide people by colors and then say this color is oppressed that color is the oppressor go go at it and then i'm going to leverage that and harness that as a fuel source uh renewable fuel source and then uh the trader got radicalized at a dc university you know like i said um there are some radical ideas circulating through our, our universities and we need to be mindful of our, uh, our our sons and daughters who are going to these schools and uh, being exposed to these ideas. Uh, as It's as difficult as ever to remain grounded when going through that kind of environment. And then the natural gas shortage up in New York. Yep, more leftist policies coming right at you. Uh, I could probably do a policy a day to keep the leftist leftism away in all of you, Uh, but there's another one for today. Uh, Bernie joins the race, same dumb policies, same socialist policies, nothing's changing, seven-minute abs, selling you uh, snake oil, nothing new there. And then, uh, like I said, Trump is definitely not a homophobe. If you actually got on his uh, side, you might actually enjoy some progress being made on a lot of your causes. Uh, On that note, my name is Derek. This is the end of the show. Uh, Tune in next time. I appreciate your support. Go ahead and subscribe on your iTunes app or whatever podcast service you choose to listen through. Uh, I will see you again. As always, enjoy your freedom.